0: All right, everybody. On the Better Law Firm Marketing Podcast today, I've got Stacy Brown-Randall, all the way from the United States, and she'll be my guest today. Now, she's the author of the award-winning book, Generating Business Referrals Without Asking, and she's the host of the Roadmap to Grow Your Business podcast. And we'll basically be talking about how law firms can get referrals without asking because who wants to ask for referrals? So if you don't wanna feel annoying, you don't wanna be a nag, uh, then uh, this is gonna be a good one to listen to. You can learn how to get some more referrals um, without asking. So. Besides that, I'll just let you know that there will be some links in the description for this episode. So if you want to learn more about Stacey, there'll be some links there. And if you want to grab yourself a law firm marketing plan, there'll be a link there to, to do that as well. And if you want a coaching call one-on-one with me, there'll be a link for that. And there's a few other links as well. So check those out. If you want to support the podcast, blah blah blah. if you want to teach me how to talk, um, if you want to support the podcast, please consider... Leaving a five-star review and subscribing all that helps out with the algorithm. If you know anyone who would help, uh, who would benefit from this type of content, please let them know. And finally, I'll introduce myself. I'm your host, Brennan Kelso, law grad turned law firm marketing specialist, founder of LegalSites.com.au, and you're listening to the Better Law Firm Marketing Podcast. And in this podcast, you'll learn how to leverage the most time-efficient law firm marketing strategies to get more leads, more clients, and more profit. So let's get on with it. Stacey, thank you for waiting patiently while I did all all of those things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Brendan, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
0: It's a pleasure. It's great to have someone from the US on the podcast. Um yeah, so, you know, welcome. I've got about 20% of my listeners um based in the USA, so they might enjoy hearing a familiar accent.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure they probably enjoy it when you bring on your Australian guest because they get to hear the really cool accent versus just listening to my American one. So
0: I'm just amazed that like this podcast has reached over 70 countries and I'm just I don't know if they really understand my Australian accent half the time, but like they're <laughs> hanging in there. So like I appreciate it, guys.
1: Yes, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> so um, I was just going through uh, like our emails together and we're both busy people. And your agent got in touch with me in May 2021 and I think we're both up to reschedule at times. So it just I'm just so happy that we finally got the time to do this podcast. And it's today, it's it's in October. So it's amazing how long it's taken. But here we are.
1: I know. I'm not quite sure what that says about me, but I am glad <laughs> that we were able to get it rescheduled and to make it happen.
0: Yeah, no, it's good to have you here. So just before we dive into, you know, all the referral stuff, like how would you describe like what you do and what, on your job.
1: Yeah. You know, it's been an interesting journey for me to kind of find myself at a place where we're going to have this conversation, right. About how you generate referrals without asking for them and, you know, be able to talk about what that looks like and attorneys who are using it and using it successfully, the methodology and the process. And it's, you know, I wish it was just one of those really cool stories where it was like, well, you know, Brendan, one day I just woke up and God was like, here, Stacey, you're now brilliant on referrals without asking, but unfortunately, it definitely came through the school of hard knocks. I had to learn this the hard way. I actually had a first business that failed. It was an HR consulting firm, and I worked with some really big-name companies, um, not just in the U.S., but they kind of were... Um, you know, international like KPMG, one of the largest accounting firms, and then a US bank named Ally Bank. And so when you think about some of the big name clients that I worked with, you would have been like, why did your HR consulting firm fail for just after uh, four years? It didn't quite make it to the five year mark. And when I looked back and had to unpack, right, at first, it's like getting over the fact that you're a business failure and you're like yeah. having to like deal with the ego blow that comes along with that amongst everything else. But having to get go back to corporate America and really took some time to unpack, okay, why did my business fail? And I started paying attention to where my clients came from. And I think that's a tactic or like a strategy that a lot of business owners don't do. They're just, hey, i am got business. Clients are coming in the door, you know, I'm making cases happen, and they don't always pay attention to where they're coming from. But when I looked back and I was like, so where did I get my clients? Like those big name clients. And it was all through networking, which meant I was working really, really hard. I worked entirely too hard for each client that I did land because it was me about, it was about how many places can I be in to be in front of the right people, to be on the right board, to be in the right groups, to be at the right event. And I have three kids. And back then, they were really little. Actually, we only had two back then. And as they got older, had that been a strategy that worked and my business had not failed, it would not have been sustainable anyway. Just because as your kids get older, you know, then basically you just become an Uber driver for your children. You just, for free, you're like a free Uber driver. So, and now my kids are all in middle school. And so from that perspective, it was looking at it and it was like, okay, so where'd my clients come from? Hustling. They came from networking and hustling and being at the right place at the right time, which is exhausting. So after my stint in corporate America, and I you know picked myself up, dusted myself off, I was like, okay, let's start another business. I started a business and productivity coaching practice, and I was like, let's get clients in a different way. I hear people talk about referrals. That sounds amazing. How do we make that happen? And... The reality of it is, is all the advice out there just didn't fit who I was. It was like, well, you got to ask them and you got to ask them all the time. You got to ask them before they become a client and after they become a client. And at the end of your first meeting, you've got to say, who do you know who's just like you who should be referring or who should be working with me? And all the tactics, the, the compensation, the asking the network to know a lot of people or be really overly promotional and gimmicky, none of it fit who I was and none of it fit the brand reputation I wanted in the marketplace, and so I was like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. Well, if you don't do those tactics, there's nothing else out there for you. It's just like, okay, well, then you don't get referrals. If you won't ask, you don't pay, you won't be gimmicky and promotional, and you won't network that you're always being seen. And I was like, there's got to be a different way. So when I started my coaching practice, it was, let's just throw spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks. And as I typically do when I'm trying to understand something, I typically reverse engineer and try to unpack, okay, but why are referrals happening? Like what's the psychology, right? What's the brain science saying about why this referral is happening? And what I unpacked really allowed me to build a strategy that started to work for me. And in my first year as a business, and Productivity Coach, I got 112 referrals. I've hit triple-digit referrals every year since. And a couple of years into my coaching practice, um, my clients were like, thanks for teaching us you know, better business stuff and productivity stuff, how to tame our inbox. We'd really like to know how you're growing so fast. And I was like, oh, I'm getting referrals. And they're like, so teach us that. And that forced me to realize, oh, there's a process. There's something that I'm doing um, through a process, through steps with language and things that are that's working and that I'm getting these referrals. And so I taught started teaching it to folks. And the very first person I taught it to was a, a financial advisor. And the second person I taught it to was an attorney. And they, you know, started following the process. And then we're having, you know. Same success as me, and then even greater success than I was having. And I was like, "Okay, this is not just me and my personality. This is working." And then we just did a whole shift in the business and focus just on that. Now is teaching folks the strategy.
0: What's the strategy then, or is that a is that a a secret? Yeah.
1: <laughs> No, because if it's a secret, people will be like, I don't get it.
0: So that's the end of the podcast, everybody. Uh,
1: (laughs) We're done. Yeah,
0: we're done. There's the story. Uh, No. So, geez, what's the strategy? Please let me know. I want to know. It'd probably help me out as well.
1: Yeah. Well, we work with a lot of different business owners, different types of industries and different types of business owners. I prefer working with small business owners and solopreneurs um, specifically because I am them, right? I mean, that, that those are my people, that's my tribe. And I understand um, their successes and challenges because I have them as well. And I really think that certain industries are more uniquely and better positioned for my strategy than others. And attorneys being like, I, we've got a lot of CPAs, financial advisors, real estate agents, but we've got a large number of attorneys in the program as well and have been um, for since the very beginning, like since that very second attorney that I taught. And so I've seen it work from like the criminal attorney all the way to like the estate and wills attorney, all the way to the personal injury attorney. Like it just kind of runs the gamut. We've got a couple intellectual property attorneys in the program right now. And so the number one thing I always tell folks is, is this is, if you think about this the right way, having a strategy in your business to generate referrals is going to be separate from any prospecting tactics that you do and any marketing tactics that you do. So that's kind of like the first thing I always start with is that when you think about a referral plan, I want you to think, hey, I've got this prospecting that I do. I go to these networking events and maybe I send direct mailers out. I don't know, whatever works for you. And then there's marketing activities I do, right? Maybe I do stuff with social media. I probably have a website. I probably got some SEO going, right? Like all those are good things. But what people have for years and years and decades tried to do is take referrals and then force them into being a prospecting tactic, which is where the asking and paying and compensating comes from, or they force them into networking or force them into marketing, which is where the networking comes in or the gimmicky and promotional stuff comes in. So they force them in to one of those two tactics and referrals are totally separate. They're totally different. And so first thing is you got to be willing to think about your referrals differently. We're not marketing. We're not prospecting. It's your third leg to the stool. It's like your third part of your sales strategy, prospecting, marketing, and referrals. And then understanding how referrals work is that they're not really about you. They're actually about somebody else trying to help somebody else solve a problem. And that's most important for us always to remember, is that it takes two things for a referral to happen, desire and opportunity. What you need to have a referral plan that does is one that is making sure you're creating the desire to refer to you and no one else, but you don't control opportunity. Picking the right people helps you have better opportunity, but you don't control opportunity. So when we think about this idea that, okay, my referral strategy is separate from anything else I'm doing in the sales world, right? And Ultimately, it's going to come down to making sure that my referral source, the person who's referring to me, is doing it to help someone else. The fact that my business is growing is just a bonus. And then recognizing that the referral source is the most important person within your referral plan because that's the key to all the prospects, right? That's the key to all the referred prospects is that referral source. Mm-hmm. And referrals only come from relationships. So your number one responsibility is to make sure you are maintaining deepening and strengthening your relationships with your referral sources. And I always tell folks, there's like two types of referral sources, those that refer you and those that someday will refer you, right? And it's understanding the difference between those two, but understanding that you've got to build a relationship with your referral sources um, in, a, in the right way so that you will be able to receive more referrals from them. And so there's like five steps and we can unpack that. Um, but that's kind of like those pieces. I always like to f- tell folks in the beginning of what we're talking about and what we're looking at here is really understanding just some basic foundational um, pieces to how this all fits together before we like dig into the, okay, now here's what you do.
0: Right. Okay. So how do you find good referral sources?
1: So the easiest place to find good referral sources is to look to those that are already there. If you have been, if you've had a law firm now for any length of time, if you've been in business for any length of time, even a year, there's probably a handful, maybe more, maybe less of people who have actually sent a client to you or tried to send a client to you. So the first thing we do is we look at our existing referral sources, those who have referred us. So I tell folks, so this isn't overwhelming. Just look back at like everyone who's referred, every client that's come to you by referral in 2021 and maybe in 2020, right? If you're working with me, I'm going to ask for three to four years worth of data if you've been in business that long, because I want to look back to see patterns. But we're looking at, okay, who are your clients? The easiest way to do this is like, okay, I'm going to pull a list of my clients for the last three years, and then I'm going to identify where they came from. And hopefully you're like, Tracking this in your CRM, some type of client relationship management tool, some type of online database, or you're tracking it in an Excel spreadsheet or you're tracking it on paper where these people came from. You probably know where your folks came from that became clients this year, maybe last year. Once we push back further than that, you may have to do a little walk down memory lane if you don't have this information readily available. But we're looking at, okay, these are your clients. These are the names you should know. Like there should be no issue with you pulling a list of your clients because those are the people who've been paying your invoices. And so when we look at our list of clients, then we just need to identify how they learn about us. Did they come through an SEO or Google search? Did they come through a Facebook ad? Did they come because they are actually my neighbor? And so I know them. They're part of my network, right? Or were they referred to me? Or did they call because of an ad they saw? Whatever it is, whatever the different strategies of how people found you, you're looking for those that were referred to you. And then what you're going to do is you're going to kind of just get, think about doing this on Excel. And you just kind of delete all the clients and and, um, sources that weren't referred. So you're looking at your clients, and then you're left with your referral sources names. And that tells us who's already referred you before. That's the easiest place to start. Is like, hey, you've referred me before. Let me nurture the right relationship and use the right language so that I can generate more referrals from you while taking care of you, because I appreciate the fact that you've referred me in the past. Um, That's the easiest place to start. That's always the first place I tell folks to start is build a plan. To take care of your existing referral sources. And then another strategy we teach is okay, but maybe you don't have a lot of referral sources, or some of your referral sources could be retiring or moved out of the business, or with COVID, they changed and got out of whatever they were in. And so now they're not in a position to refer you. You also need to know then how to identify the right people to refer you. And then we teach a process of how to cultivate or turn those folks into a referral source, meaning getting your first referral from them. That second way definitely takes longer. That's why we start with our existing referral sources and try to get more from them. And then we can turn our attention to developing new referral sources as well. Uh, Most attorneys are going to need both, but I have some attorneys that come into the program and if they've got 30 or 40 folks over the last couple of years that referred them, and then we can cultivate them into referrals, giving them one or two referrals a year, we probably can get more than they need from a case perspective that way. Um, but a lot of the folks I work with end up having to also learn how to turn people into referral sources that have never referred them before.
0: Mm. yeah right okay a lot to unpack there one of the things I've been doing recently on websites for my clients is in the contact form um for a while I've there's been a question that says how did you find us and then mm-hmm. there's a few options and one of them is referral but then recently I've added an extra question that says if you said referral would you mind telling us who and thank you <laughs> Like, why not? Like, I, it, I can't <laughs> believe it's taken me that long to do it, but because I can't rely on, I can't assume that my clients are asking every single new inquiry, like, who referred you? So they've got that data now. It's a simple little thing, like, just on your website. It's like, I think that maybe we don't want to sort of ask too many questions because we think the person might get sick of us and not fill out the form. But look, I generally, I generally don't inc- don't make every single question um, essential. So if someone doesn't right. want to say or oh, you know, if someone doesn't want to say how that will refer to you then they don't have to say it but right. like yeah getting the data like about where your referrals are coming from that probably can take a bit of time.
1: It can depending on how you've kept up with it right I mean I've had some people that I've worked with and they're like I put out a piece of paper. And I did a walk down memory lane and it was painful. I mean, it just is, right? I always tell folks, it's like the least sexiest step. It's the least sexiest thing I teach is going through and pulling out your data. I mean, like, like I'm sure people are just thinking about it. I'm like, oh my God, that sounds like work. Okay, first of all, if you have people on your team, Give it to somebody else to do, Uh first of all. You can outsource it to somebody or you can delegate it to someone on your team. You don't have to be the one that pulls that information, but they do have to have access to it. So they may have to go looking for that information if you're not capturing it. But you would be surprised what you can remember sitting down with a sheet of paper or an Excel spreadsheet in front of you and just looking at names and then remembering back to that case and remembering back to the situation and being able to capture that. Of course, you know some of my attorneys only have to work with a handful of folks to really meet their billable hours, or to meet right what they're trying to make for their business. And other attorneys need lots more clients. So it also has to do with the volume, right, nice. of um, of your law firm as well. But it's such a valuable piece to always be tracking. And I always tell folks, "Is like, look, this is not the fun step, but it is such an empowering step." Because then all of a sudden, you can recognize and see names of people who've been taking care of your business. And more than likely, you've probably been ignoring them. Mm -hmm. And now you're aware, right? So your responsibility begins, and you can change that, and you can take better care of them. And I think what people need to understand in in kind of this whole process is is that, remember, when these people referred you to begin with, it's because they were helping someone else out. But that doesn't mean they don't want to be acknowledged by you. But if you're not tracking it, and you can't remember it, right, you can't thank them properly for it. So it's really important to track this information. And the best part about doing this is once you've looked back of who's, who your referral sources are and you look back through your clients and all that kind of stuff, you never have to do it again. You mm-hmm. just do it once and then you move forward with the master list of your referral sources. And then the, the goal is to have a plan in place to nurture those relationships and use the right language, so that we can get more referrals from them, and then we refine that list at the end of every year. But we never have to do the data dive again mm. if we do it correctly the first time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Another little thing—I don't know if you're doing this as well. But one of the things I I do is uh, I hop into Google Analytics, and you can see where. Uh, so there's it'll show you sources of your website traffic, and one of them is like referral. Sources and you can actually see like if another if uh, if another small business website is sending a lot of clients to your website and you're like oh my god maybe and then like I've found that some websites have just had um, you know my clients listed as a recommended law firm or they've had me listed on their website I'm finding I'm getting a lot of traffic and I'm like I didn't even know that and that's like a good opportunity to reach out and go hey thanks Uh, should we get a coffee.
1: We should probably definitely stay better in touch than we are right now. Yeah. yeah. I think anywhere you can find data to yeah. support the business decisions that you make in your business is so much better than just thinking you have the answer or taking a stab at it Mm. or what we say a lot. I don't know if this saying will translate, but like we always say, or the spray and pray method, like just try a thousand things and see what will happen. And then hopefully something will stick. Like it's something that we say here in the States and it's really exhausting and takes a ton of time and energy to really just try a whole bunch of things. It's so much better to go back and look at the data and the analytics behind it. And you just make better, smarter, typically faster uh, business decisions that way, so yeah. Whereas da- pulling data is not fun, I think looking through data is. Um, not everybody feels that way, but I think the the empowering piece is what it tells you about your business that you didn't already know, and that's really cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Um, I guess the next obvious question is how do we how do we establish new referral opportunities? Because that can be a little bit. Uh, you know, um, overwhelming at times? Uh, How do you, you know, you you, you might think of someone that might be a great opportunity for your business, but how do you call them up and go, hey, can you send us some work? So yeah, how does that conversation happen?
1: So I always tell folks, if you've been in business for a couple of years and you do go through the step to identify your existing referral sources, pay attention to their commonalities. Um, There's actually four categories of referral sources and the top two are the two that we pay attention to. And those are clients that refer you and centers of influence that refer you. Centers of influence for attorneys are typically almost always other attorneys. Luckily, in that industry, attorneys refer other attorneys really well, not always. And they're not going to refer someone if they have someone in their law firm who does what you do. Um, But that identification step is really important. So if you're looking at who's referring you now and you've got a lot of other attorneys referring you, then let's try to create more of that, right? So that's the first step is to kind of understand, well, where should I start? Because, I mean, I guess in, in some ways you could think about it, well, anybody could refer me, right? I mean, if anybody knows anybody who needs a will, they could refer me. If anybody knows anybody who needs a, like here in the States, like an LLC, they could refer me yeah, but that's not how it's going to work. And so it's paying attention to who are the people that have a better chance of referring you. Just as with our existing referral sources, it starts with identifying who they are. It's the same thing with our potential referral sources or what we call our soon to be referral sources. It's identifying the right ones. And so if you have like a roadmap to follow based on who's referring you now, a lot of attorneys right, that are criminal defense attorneys happen to be referring you for whatever it is that you do. Well, okay, are there other criminal defense attorneys that you don't know yet, that if you got to know, they could refer to you. So the identification step is so important, but I don't like people to go at it like stab in the dark. Like, I don't know where to start. So I'll just assume these people should be good referral sources. If you have people referring you now, do they have anything in common that you can, you know that we can use and like repeat or at least apply to identification of potential referral sources? An identification step makes all the difference because if you identify the people who have a better chance to refer you, the process that I teach to my clients has a better chance of working. But it all comes down to identifying who they are and then cultivating a relationship that's focused on them And not your ultimate end game, which is referrals, but figuring out how you can help them. And then we teach a process of like what that looks like and like how many outreaches may you do in a year and how many times may you get together or whatever. And then what's the language that you're using? That's all what we teach once we've identified the right people as you're working towards the place of getting them to refer you for the first time. And then when someone refers you for the first time, then they drop into your other group, your existing referral source because they're now a current existing referral source and you have a plan in place to take care of them, to continue to nurture more referrals from them. But it starts with identification and then cultivation with both plans, whether it's existing referral sources or potential referral sources. Yeah.
0: But how do you like how do you identify like a good referral opportunity if you're a criminal lawyer and uh, you would like some more um, work and you're thinking, okay, let's reach out to some family lawyers. who don't do criminal law. Like how do you determine if someone is going to be a good, good source?
1: So here's the thing. You really can't. Nobody walks around with a sign attached to their forehead that says, I'm going to make an awesome referral source for you have a conversation with me, right? And as I teach people that I work with, we're gonna kiss a lot of frogs before we find the princes and the princesses that we're looking for to ultimately refer us because we don't know. What we do know is this is the type of people that refer me, so let me see if there's others out there in my community or in my area, or if you're like me, it's you're, you're interne- international, right? I mean, you're like all over the place in terms of, and we've got students that are in Australia and New Zealand that are in my program and that refer me, and so I'll never meet them, but it's looking for what they have in common right, is the best place to start. And there is not an easy button here. There is not the silver bullet answer to, hey, you're looking for people who are 6'2", you know, and that they wear blue t-shirts. Like,
0: well, I'm close to that. so.
1: Well, that's why I said blue. T- I didn't know how, how tall you were. I was like, I'll just guess. This, yeah, <laughs> I are tall in the video. I don't know if you are. Yeah. Right. yeah
0: I'll just say I'm 6'2". Yeah. Okay.
1: I'm close, Let's close, just go with close, it, right? Close yeah. enough close enough. What's it? What's a couple of inches, right? Um, So I I think from that perspective is that this is the piece where people want it to be easy. They want to be like, just tell me who makes the perfect referral sources for me. And I'm like, this comes down. Remember when somebody refers you, it's because they know, like, and trust you. So you can know a whole bunch of people that could refer you, but they don't like you. Or maybe they haven't gotten to the place where they trust you yet. So this is a process you have to be willing to invest in. It's the slower of the two pieces of what I teach, mm-hmm. and it's a skill, right? It's just like a strategy. I want you to be like, hey, you know what? My referrals have slowed down. Maybe it's time that I infuse my referral source list with some new people. Oh, I know exactly how to do this. I know how to identify them, right? I know exactly how to have conversations with them. I know how to take care of them. I know how to plant referral seeds. Like, oh, I know this process to do. It may take me a couple of months to get going. Right. But like I have someone in the program, not an attorney, actually an architect in San Francisco who followed that process and was like, "Okay, I'm going to identify people who should be referring me, started having conversations the way that we teach it or whatever. And, you know, now she's getting three referrals a week. Do I guarantee that's going to happen for anyone? No, not in particular. But I do know that what she was willing to do to get to the people who would eventually give her referrals is that she talked with a lot more people than those that ultimately ended up giving her referrals. But she found her right people, and now they're filling the pipeline of her business. And now she's having to to scale and grow and deal with capacity issues, which is, of course, a good bad problem to have when you're getting a lot of referrals. Mm -hmm. Um, So there isn't a, there isn't a silver bullet. There isn't an easy answer here. It's the, let's look for commonalities of who should be referring you or who's already referring you, and then try to replicate that as much as as we can with others, um, and then follow the process to turn them into a referral source. Mm -hmm. But it is a process. And what I teach, it's work. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be so much more fun than having to ask your clients to refer you and having to have awkward conversations with people at the Bar Association event and being like, hey, will you refer me some work? If those are awkward and uncomfortable for you, this is definitely what you want to be doing, but there's still work involved. There, you know, Again, I always tell like, folks, I'm not Staples. There's no easy button here. You're going to have to put in some work. It'll probably just be something you enjoy more than some of the other stuff you could be doing to generate business.
0: Yeah, exactly. Surely... Surely for lawyers um, or attorneys, as they're called in America, there would be maybe more opportunity in approaching the more specialised law firms because they're like, like if I was a lawyer, I would be thinking, okay, I'm not going to approach the general practice law firm that tries, and tries to do everything. So the law firm <laughs> that tries to do crim, family, wills and estates, personal injury, uh, commercial and anything else they can think of. Like maybe those would be like, like you never know until you're reach out but maybe it would be a better idea to first target the law firms that are more specialized because they're less likely to do try and do everything because they're they're specializing right
1: yeah i definitely think that is a great tactic and it's definitely one that we talk about in terms of like look for the people who need you if i have an attorney that does everything i don't need you i need to send it to the person down the hallway that can do what you do. But I have an intellectual property and patent attorney um, that I work with. And he has a mergers and acquisition attorney that refers him a ton of business. And um, we were talking about it. And he was like, you know, that the M&A attorney is always asking me to join their firm. They're like, you're getting all this business. You're growing. We're giving you all our businesses. It'd be awesome. You just got to come join our firm. And he was like, I don't think they realize that if I go in-house with them and become their IP attorney that everybody else, the other attorneys that refer to me will stop because now I'm in-house with this M&A person and their law firm. And so it is looking for the people who need you. It is looking for, you know, if you are in a certain type of law, it's like looking for those that would then having conversations with people, your area of expertise would probably come up as a need. So in mergers and acquisitions, intellectual property and patents typically come up. So that's a natural connection from that perspective. Um, I have an um, personal injuries attorney in the program who gets a lot of referrals from defense attorneys, right? or people who just don't do her type of um, personal injury work or type of pi work. So it just kind of depends, right, on what were what you the type of business that you the type of law that you practice and then who should be able to come across people to refer you. but, It may take a little bit of time for you to figure it out. And you may, even the people that you think are perfect to refer you, well, maybe they have somebody else that's just like you they've been referring to. So it takes some time to kind of build this up. But when it starts serving you, right, when it starts sending in the referrals because you've taken the time to do it, it's completely and totally worth the work.
0: Okay. So once you've identified um, some potential opportunities, do you just um, slide into their DMs and propose a a, a coffee catch up on Zoom or like, how does this, uh, how how does this work?
1: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we always tell our clients is it's going to come down to you having a conversation with them. Format's not really like, it doesn't matter as much. I think it used to. It doesn't matter as much now, whether it's virtual or whether it's in person. And if your referral sources or people who could refer you are not local, you'll very quickly figure out that you're going to be doing this on Zoom anyways, whether you're in lockdown vote or not, right? This is going to be happening. And so if you can do it in person or in the future, you know, that's great. It all comes down to the conversation you're going to have with the person and how you're going to try to take care of them and like listen for ways to take care of them. And they're each are kind of like proprietary process of exactly what that looks like and exactly the language to use. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it is about you having a conversation with someone else, asking questions, getting to know them, because that is first how people begin to trust you is when you actually connect with them in conversation and you listen to them and what they have to say. Like people think they're going to trust you because they know X number of cases that you've won. That's actually not what it takes someone to trust you. They got to sit in conversation with you, and they got to feel like you get them, you understand them. And that typically happens because you let them do all the talking. And then, of course, when they ask you about you, I want you to be able to answer those questions and stuff. But this is about building a relationship, and there is zero expectation that you'll get a referral after the first one. It may not happen even after the second or third or the fourth one, but you are building into an You're investing in building in a relationship here. And so it comes down to how well you take care of them. And sometimes that's just having the conversation and like connecting. And then of course, this process that we teach is the follow-ups and it's the referral seeds that we plant, which is our language piece um, that we kind of help move that along at a little bit of a faster pace. But again, not everybody that you try to turn into a referral source will ultimately turn into one. So that's why we sometimes have to, you know, cast the net a little bit larger than what we're ultimately going to end up with.
0: Right. So what was that process that you quickly alluded to?
1: Yeah. So if you have existing referral sources, right? So we have like the steps of how we take care of our existing referral sources. Um, So we've been talking about potential referral sources, though, so we want to refer us. And now switching gears to talk about existing referral sources, that first step is identification. And then it sounds pretty similar um, to the other piece, the potential piece, but um, we're going to create a plan of how we're going to be able to take care of them for a year in a memorable and meaningful way with what these things that we call outreach, which are like touch points. And you're going to do somewhere between four and eight of them in a year. Most people fall in that six to seven range in their first year. Um, And it's just a way for you to connect with them and let them know that you appreciate them. And it gives you an opportunity to plant the referral seed language as well. Um, And so the idea here is, is that this is not your e-newsletter. This is not your promotional product as like a Yeti with your law firm's logo on it going out to them as like a thank you gift, right? Like that's a gift for you, not a gift for them. It's not your email reminders that say, hey, it's been 32 days since you've emailed this person. You should probably jump into their inbox and say, hello, how you doing? Put yourself keeping in touch. We do things that are there. There's a framework that we follow when we build this to be really memorable and meaningful so that person knows that we appreciate them. And at the end of the day, that's where this all comes from. You actually have to want to take care of your referral sources for my process to work. And most people will tell you this works great, right? Because they want it to work and they actually care about these referral sources. And they're like, oh my gosh, I should have been taking care of them in this way all along. And that's what ultimately makes it work. Like I have a business attorney out of Maryland here in the States that's in my program. And she you know has been getting hitting her goal a number of referrals she wants every year. her goal for this year is 72 referrals received and she's at 61 and we're just now starting third quarter. And so I was like, you're definitely going to hit it She was a little off last year because of COVID in 2020 um, and I was like, you're definitely going to hit it And the thing that she said is she's like, Stacey, I've had four years of taking care of my referral sources. There's a rhythm to how I take care of them that she's learned um, through my process and she does it because it's a wash rinse repeat model. That's why she can say, hey, last year, my goal was like 50. And the year before, it was 40. And the year before that, it was 25. And this year, it's 72, because she's consistently been taking care of these referral sources um, in a way that allows her to be memorable and meaningful and to stay top of mind. But it's unique, because it's not the newsletters. And it's not the emails and it's not the text messages and it's not the birthday card that somebody else sends out for you because you had a third party robot <laughs> sign it for you. Like these things are meaningful things that we do that cultivate a relationship with someone. And then we use those opportunities to plant referral seeds, which is the language piece of how we make sure that they know how much we appreciate them and that we're thankful for their referrals. But there's like, there's a whole formula behind when you plant them, when you don't, direct and indirect referral seeds. But basically, We're just using opportunities to take care of them, to remind them how much we appreciate their referrals.
0: So how do you plant the seed? What's an example?
1: Yeah. So the easiest one that I always like to explain to folks is the one that even if you've never received a referral and you're not so sure you'll receive one after listening to this interview, let's use an example that anybody here can use. So the next time you get on a Zoom call with somebody, right, or the next time you show up at an event, I don't know how much of lockdown you guys are still on or not, you know, um, some states over here pretend like COVID doesn't exist. So we've got all kinds of like, we're no lockdown to, you know, lockdown to mask wearing in between. Um, you got to love us Americans, I suppose. But from that perspective, the next time you're in a conversation with someone, whether it's in person or it's on Zoom, the number one question that's always asked when a conversation gets started with someone you know or a stranger is, how's it going? How's business? How's business? how are you doing? Right. We both said it to each other. Right. When we first got on for the first time, we're like, how are you? Most people are going to answer that question. Right. And I don't need you to do it with like the neighbor at the neighborhood barbecue. If the neighbor at the neighborhood barbecue can't ever refer you, but in the situation you we're like, hmm, maybe, right. It's the planting, the referral seed we talk about is the house business question. It's how you answer the question. How's business? How's it going? And what we always say there is, is what we want you to say ultimately, instead of just saying, hey, business is great, thanks for asking, is we want you to say business is great, and then insert some fact about your referrals. I brought on three new clients last week, and they were all referred to me, right? Or actually, you know what? I was just looking back over my third quarter results, and like if I, I'm going to pretend I'm Catherine for a minute, I'll use her her um, results. So if I were Catherine and someone's like, hey, Stacy, how's business? Or hey, Catherine, how's business? This is the student I'm talking, my client I'm talking about And she was like, hey, great. You know, in third quarter, I was looking back over our results. We received 24 referrals in the third quarter of this year. And I was looking back who was referring me. And it's amazing to see my clients refer me, which is awesome because that means I'm, you know, worthy of the work that I do. But also we have a number of other attorneys that refer folks to us too. It is great to grow your business in this way. Mm. That's all you say. You're not going to be like, and would you like to send me some referrals? Like that's wrong, right? Like it's about having a conversation with someone and planting the idea with them that you're getting referrals. And like in Catherine's situation, right? Using her numbers, a lot of them. But your number has to be real. You just, you can't lie about this. I really shouldn't have to say that to attorneys, Um, but you shouldn't lie about what your numbers are. So you may have to be like looking at the totality of a year or looking at just the last couple of weeks or looking at a quarter where your clients are coming from right and if it's just you know one person's been referred to you recently be like hey i just brought on a new client that was recently referred to me it's awesome right and so it's it's taking the opportunity to answer a very very simple and generic pretty generic question how's business and having the opportunity to plant a referral seed right so that's just one there are like dozens and dozens that we talk about and that you can use but that's one anybody can use no matter what situation they're in moving forward um some of them are specific for referral sources or specific for people who are trying to turn into referral sources, but that one, anybody can plant and just see what happens. Just see where the conversation goes. That referral seed may fall on concrete and blow off into the wind, never to go anywhere. Or it may be the thing that person remembers about you when they walk away. And that's what starts to take root in their head is about you and referrals.
0: Yeah. I think it's a good little psychological trigger as well, because it makes you look like someone worth referring to. Mm -hmm. If you were to say, uh business is good, but I get all my clients from Google Ads, and I never get any referrals. And I feel like all I ever do is give referrals to everyone else, and I'm miserable. Like uh, that would be the opposite um, approach would be to bad.
1: Take. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah, well, and if that's true, let's change that. But definitely don't say that.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, how does is it Catherine? How does Catherine maintain her existing? referral relationships
1: yeah so she builds the plan the way that the structure the framework of how we teach it and then she just executes on it and she actually has a team um she has an assistant who basically does most of her work for a lot of the attorneys i work with some are solopreneurs it's just them like i'm thinking of rick who's an intellectual property attorney um he gets about 60 to 70 referrals a year and it's just him and then others have like either paralegals or assistants that can help them. Um, But we build that plan, those, you know, four to eight touch points or outreach on an ongoing basis within a year. And then you just execute on it when it comes time for one of those touch points. Um, And so it's whatever your plan looks like. There's no two plans that ever look the same um, because this is customized to who your referral sources are. And that's a big question I always get. Someone's like, okay, so Just tell me the touch points. Like, what are those four to eight touch points that I should be doing? And I was like, well, that's a great question. It's not the right first question. The right first question is, is who are your people, right? So when I was building out my strategy that I now teach people all over the world about how we generate referrals without asking, I looked at who my referral sources were. Remember I said the beginning of my story, like, One of the things I did was I was just throwing spaghetti on the wall. I was like, okay, let's see if this works. This works. And then when I looked back after that first year of 112 referrals, I started paying attention to who my referral sources were. Well, I looked at commonalities amongst them. And a lot of my referral sources were business owners who were also parents. It was like 80% of my referral sources were business owners and parents. So I made the decision as part of my four to eight outreaches or touch points in a year to recognize Mother's Day and Father's Day. Nobody really expects to hear from the productivity and business coach on Mother's Day and Father's Day, that they either happen to be a client of and refer to, or they just refer to. But it was my way of being meaningful and having outreach to them and reminding them that, hey, you're a hero, right? As a parent, you're a hero. And that was meaningful for them. That was memorable for them. And it was completely unexpected. It's what we refer to as a pattern interrupt. They don't necessarily see it coming, but it was genuine. Like I wanted to recognize Mother's Day and Father's Day for those people because they made it easy for me to grow my business, Like, of course I would want to do something to take care of them. And it's the same thing Catherine's been doing, but she just, we do it every year. So I have another attorney in the program, Amanda, when she built her 2021 plan. So her 2021 plan, she built it in December of 2020. When she built her plan for this year, she was, she built her seventh plan. Her plans look very similar, right? Every year, her plans look very similar. Um, She does the same thing over and over again. She just changes up a little bit of what she does, but it all comes down to who are your people. And how do you connect with them? And what relationship do you have with them? You may have 30 people on your list. You can still find commonalities and things that matter to do this one touch point to all 30 of them. It's not 30 individual touch points times six times a year. It's six to eight, sometimes four to eight, but most people need that six to seven for those people. And you're going to do it for that touch point for all of them. And that you're going to do it throughout the year, kind of with a cadence and a rhythm. It just comes down to really at the end of the day, being a good human and taking care of people in a way you don't normally think of um, because we're just so business focused all the time. And this is relationship person focused.
0: Mm. So when you were reaching out to people who are parents and uh, on Mother's Day or Father's Day, like, how are you doing that? Like, was is this when you talk about touch points, are these phone calls, are these text messages, are these emails? Like, what are they?
1: Okay. So you just listed three of the easiest things that you can do. So it's none of those. Okay. It's not to say that you can't do those things. It's that we're trying to be memorable and meaningful. Sometimes a one-on-one conversation, grabbing a cup of coffee, even if it's virtually and just catching up to seeing how things are going can be really, really impactful to your relationship with sometimes. Sometimes it's a gift. Sometimes it's an event, right? There are different things that you can do It just based on what you want to do and what's going to ultimately work for your people. For Mother's Day and Father's Day, I decided, well, I'll talk about Mother's Day specifically. I decided to send a gift and I sent a Wonder Woman water bottle to each of my top referral sources that were moms. And also like, they're my referral source so more than likely they're a business owner and they're also a mother. I sent them a Wonder Woman water bottle. And for the guys, we did something different for Father's Day. And there was, my logo wasn't on the one, on the book water bottle. My name wasn't on it. You know, my website address wasn't on it. Nothing was on that water bottle. So when they removed the card, it was just the standalone water bottle that was of Wonder Woman. But the card said something to the effect of never forget you are a hero, right? Happy Mother's Day, Stacey. And it was just really simple to impact them. And as you can imagine, when they removed my card, they never forgot who gave them that Wonder Woman water bottle. Two years later, I'm still having people say, oh my gosh, my Wonder Woman water bottle, you know, my daughter took it and it finally broke. I need to get a new one, right? Like, because they remembered that it came from me because it was memorable and meaningful. And it was hitting them like kind of right like where they are, like, hey, I see you. But you don't do gifts to everybody. That gets really weird and stalkerish. If you're six to seven touch points in a year, is all gifts. And you can't do all, right, um, one-to-one coffees. Like, let's go again for the next month to go have coffee together. Like, You can't do that either. We use a variety of these things, which means that allows us to hit different budgets. Some people have money to spend on this. Some people have no money to spend on this. And we work with it all because we're doing a variety of those outreaches and what those look like. Um, And what we don't do though is we don't send the text messages or the emails that are like, hey, what's up? How are you? Like we're trying to be a little bit more intentional behind being memorable and meaningful because the goal here is to stay top of mind because you can only occupy so much space in someone's mind. I just want it to be easy for you to be there because you're memorable and meaningful in how you take care of them. Um, and then of course, the language that we use, our referral seeds, then also helps direct how they think about us as well. So when those opportunities arise to refer us, of course, we're going to be the only one they think about.
0: Yeah. And I think that maybe some people listening to this might think, oh, it's too obvious. Like people are going to know that I'm trying to get something from them. But while, like I think that they do know that you know you've got Um, something to gain from the Wonder Woman bottle thing. But it's such a nice change to get something sweet from someone because like, yeah, they know like this is, there is a business relationship here, but you're going the extra mile and showing that you actually give a shit. And (laughs) whereas other people might just do the, the LinkedIn message, like, hey, how's it going? Do you have some work for me? That kind of thing. Like they know, like, most people will know like, okay, this is really, I like the effort that she's going to here and they'll appreciate you for it. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it would come across the wrong way. I think it would actually be appreciated. Yeah. You, Sorry, Stacy. there's a bit already of a lag. me,
1: And a lot of my refer they refer me with what I'm doing to take care of them, right? Like we always connect the what you're getting, right? We always connect the the touch point you're receiving to the language piece so that it ultimately makes sense in terms of a, yeah. They know this water bottle went out. And thank you for helping me with my business, right? Like we don't shy away from that. And that's what keeps it genuine. And that's what keeps it authentic.
0: Exactly. Sorry, I don't know if you heard me interrupting you there for a second. There was like five seconds or so where there was like a little bit of a lag. So that's what happened. But I think we're all we're all good now. So
1: we're we good now. Okay. Do you need yeah. me to repeat any of that?
0: Uh no, I think we, I think we got it. Um okay. So the touch points. Um I love it. So is there anything else that I have completely forgotten to ask you about uh, that you have sort of alluded to and you've been uh, begging to talk about?
1: No, here's what I always tell folks is that the, when I you just make the statement referrals without asking, right? There are those people who can be like, oh yes, tell me more. And the reality of it is it's It's not the thing that you can fully explain and fully share and people can fully understand exactly how it works in a 30, 45 minute interview, right? Like it just doesn't work that way. Um, We're talking about human beings here that we're trying to take care of and we're trying to do right by them. And so like, there's a lot more to it. So I always tell folks before you get caught up, like in the, what should I do? And what what am I saying? And what do I think I need to be saying? And how do I identify, you know, like who I want to refer me? Before you get caught up in any of that, Just go through the process of identifying who refers you now, your potential referral sources. We talk about it in Chapter 8 in my book, Generating Business Referrals Without Asking. Just go through the process of identifying who are your current, existing, your now referral sources over the last couple of years. Trust me, when you see that list of names in black and white, you're going to be like, oh. I can do this. I can take care of these, these people in a memorable and meaningful way. I may need to, you know, learn a little bit more and read more of my book or listen to my podcast or maybe join my program to really understand everything you want to do. But at the at the very basic level, once you see who these people are written down in black and white, like oh, these are the people who refer me business. It is just about making sure you're taking better care of them ultimately. And most people assume. They know who refers them. And then when they have to pull the data, they're typically surprised by what they find. So if this has intrigued you at all, that's the first step. Don't try to understand everything we've talked about and unpack everything and figure out exactly what this process looks like. Just start by identifying your existing referral sources and then ask yourself, could you take better care of them? My guess is the answer is yes. And then that's a place to start from.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, I've got a few stories I want to tell you, but... I'll tell you uh, once recording has ceased. Uh, I've got some examples of some um, people who are uh, uh, yeah who do not do this process very well and have tried to do them. Um, who've tried. Oh, to get I can't st- wait to hear. People who've tried wait. to get stuff out of me. Yeah. So um,
1: now all your listeners are thinking, wait, why isn't he going to tell us those hey, stories? Look,
0: if they want to <laughs> get in touch with me privately, I might tell them. But on the <laughs> podcast, don't. you never know who's listening. So um, I'm going to wrap it up, uh, Stacey. Thank you uh, so much for all of your knowledge. Knowledge. i've really had a lot of fun um talking with my first american so <laughs> thanks thanks for that and i'll, I'll have uh, some links so if people want to learn more about um how they can get referrals without asking then they can do that they can go and uh stalk you online now perfect um and to everyone listening right now uh yeah go and check out the episode notes for all of those links and so there's a law firm marketing plan that you can download for free at legalsites.com.au. Uh, I'll wrap this up. So uh, yeah, I'm Brendan Kelso and you've been listening to a better law firm
1: marketing. Okay, bye for now.